It's time for JT the Brick. Raider Nation unite! We're a show based on fans. Embrace the culture, embrace the history of this organization. Feels like football. Man, you know, since I've been here, I've only had one winning season. So really, like, all the individual accolades don't really mean nothing when you don't win. That's a gritty, gutty win! Yeah, this is what I dreamed of, you know? This is this is what it's all about. We're not going backwards. We're going to do this right. Obviously, you know, that we would love to, you know, play in a Super Bowl in our hometown. They hate you. They despise you. They think you're a bunch of thugs. JT the Brick. Who's the number one rival of the Broncos? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of the Chargers? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of Kansas City? Without question, the Oakland, L.A., and now Las Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I don't care who I play against. I go out there, I don't discriminate. I treat everybody the same way. When we, when we go out there, and I'm more concerned about what we're doing as a football team and what I'm doing personally. And now, your Las Vegas Raiders. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, we open up the show inside the Raiders headquarters at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Monday's my big day. We just finished Raiders Press Conference Live along with Eric Allen. That is on Fox 5 in Las Vegas at 1 p.m. I do two hours of radio with you and then three hours of radio tonight on Sirius XM 82. So Monday is my albatross and I am ready to roll. And I'm in a much better place as we open up the show because 10 minutes ago I was just in the Raiders lunchroom and I bumped into Max Crosby. And Max and I talked for about three or four minutes about this upcoming game. And he put me in a really good place to host this show. Not that I wasn't in a good place to host this show, but again, I'm not losing my mind over a one-and-one start. I figured the Raiders would be one-and-one after two games. I didn't expect them to beat Buffalo, but all week, last week, I talked about house money, a puncher's chance, and all of that, and none of it mattered. They got dominated absolutely dominated on the road in Buffalo and got beat badly. That's it. That's the show. So you can do whatever you want on Twitter. You can do it on Instagram. You can come on in and call 702-365-9200. I like Mondays to be victory Mondays and not the aftermath of a loss, but that's where we are today. And hopefully there's not many of these in succession, and hopefully the Raiders turn it around because they're in a massive spot Coming up Sunday night for the home opener, they'll be the last team to play at home of any team in the NFL, and they got to win this game. I'm not a must-win guy, as I told you, especially week one in Denver. Uh, Buffalo's one of the best teams in all of football. They were going to get bounce back. But this one, we're going to learn a lot about this team by Sunday night when I wrap up the postgame show, and it better be good. And it better be a different team. And if you heard Josh McDaniel's press conference earlier today, I love the tone of it. It seems like, and Eric Allen looked right at me and rolled his eyes and said, watch out. They're going to be in pads. They're going to be pushed. And Josh McDaniels is not happy at all. You know, they went to the Greenbrier in West Virginia to prepare for it, and it didn't matter. They went all the way back east to get ready for a football game and only ran 39 plays and had the ball less than 20 minutes. So if we're looking at the theory behind going back east, would it work or not, Eric Allen described it perfectly last week when he said, you know, they've been trying to figure this out from the 70s, how West Coast teams travel east, not East Coast teams going west. That's not a problem with the body clock. But they've been doing it forever, and a lot of teams have done this in the past, and they're trying to figure it out. And Eric said, if you win, you look like a genius, and if you lose, it doesn't work. It did not work. So hopefully there was some good bonding. You hear that term often when a team travels, they're away from their family, they're together after a long training camp, and they play, and they get away from everything, and they go focus, it had zero impact on the game. 
period. You can debate the other side that it cost them because they didn't show up for most of the game after the first five plays. That is alarming and concerning for me. That's alarming and concerning that the team could have a performance like that. I am shocked that they performed that way. I thought they would have performed better, and they did not after the opening drive. It was the opening drive and then nothing after that. And that's unfortunate because a lot of Raider fans, I had the largest ever, ever following on one tweet. A friend of mine sent me a tweet in a bar in Buffalo, and I tweeted it out. And all the Raider fans that were in Buffalo, some of them used my tweet to go find the party. I got about six or seven DMs saying, thanks, JT, for saving it and getting us to the right party. And they were all excited about that. And the Raider Nation tailgated, showed up as they always do, and do a big job. Yeah, the tweet a day ago has got 311,000 views, 250 retweets. Everybody was excited 24 hours before the game. There was a lot to be excited for. Then the game happened. And then we have to sit here today and find out what happened. And I think we could do this on Monday and part of Tuesday. And then I moved to the prep of the Steelers, as you know. That's our formula here as we do this show every week. And I count on you, the fans, you, the voice of the Raider Nation, to tell me what I'm missing, what you're seeing, uh, your reaction to the team, individual players, and all that. We are an aggressive sports talk show that happens to be on a flagship station. So that's your participation in doing this. And then this week, I got a lot happening here. So Friday, we're going to be live from Top Golf from noon to 2. That should be a nice showing. It's a great venue for a radio remote. I don't do radio remotes a lot because I make sure I approve, on my end, the venue. I'm just not going to go anywhere to some casino you never heard of, try to get some people there. That's not my gig. I've been doing this long enough. I go to the big boy spots, and we're going to Top Golf, which should be a lot of fun to get your weekend going on Friday. So try to get there early if you can. Have some Modellos with me. It'll kick off the weekend and get us in the right place so we can get up for this Steelers game. Again, Max fired me up as I talked to him a few minutes ago about what this game means to him personally and the rivalry. And I'd like to spend most of the time this week talking about the history of the Raiders and the Steelers' rivalry. As the Raiders have three Lombardi trophies, they could have six or seven. And this isn't a reach. Every Raider fan knows this. They could have six or seven Lombardis if it wasn't for the Steelers. When the Steelers played the Raiders in the 70s in the playoffs, everyone won the game won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the Raiders, the immaculate deception, some of the tough games that were there, what happened in the 70s. The Raiders had a window in the 70s to win five or six Super Bowls conservatively. And they won one. And there were some epic games against the 72 Dolphins, 73-74, the Chief games that were very violent. The Chargers could play back in the day there. And then the Vikings in the Super Bowl. And you looked at the Dallas Cowboys. How do you think the Cowboys became America's team? They did what Roger Staubach and what they did in the 70s. I think it's the greatest era in the history of the NFL. Enough of it now. Give me a break now. You touch someone, there's a flag. You can hold or this. Don't tell me this is the greatest era. It's very entertaining because they turned it into pinball in a video game where you pass on every play. But it wasn't as tough. And, and the players who played in the 70s who defined the league and built this league. And a lot of that had to do with Steelers and Raiders. Ken Stabler's family's in. As ten, Ken Stabler will be honored. That's a big deal for me. That's good karma. If you buy into sports karma, that's pretty good. Because that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the Raiders are going all out at this game from an entertainment perspective. And I'm like you. I love the entertainment. Love it. 
I care more about winning the game. But the Raiders make sure this is the entertainment capital of the world. What do you think they're going to do on Sunday night in primetime? This is the number one show on television. So I got a lot to talk about all week, but I got to get rid of the stink of that game and what happened in Buffalo. That performance was unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable for the players who are on this team, the quality players, the pro bowlers who they have, and what they're trying to do and get this team in the right direction to be smarter, faster, and more explosive. I didn't see a lot of smart play. I didn't see the speed on defense. I didn't see the explosiveness much in this game, definitely not in the running game. And as Josh McDaniel said in the press conference, this running game took a turn, and it was a negative. It took a turn for the worse. So the elephant in the room now is what is going on with Josh Jacobs in this running game. I watch the game like you. I don't see any holes for him to run through. I see him getting buried three yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's not like, oh, he's late to the handoff. He's late to the hole. I'm sure there's some of that. I'm sure maybe he's hesitant on a play or two. But the most I see is that the offensive line, which didn't get blown up against Denver played well, got blown up against Buffalo because Buffalo's a much better team. And what we were trying to do last week was talk about being 1-0, the emotion, what could be what could be learned from the emotion of a great division win that could help. And then Buffalo played last Monday night and looked terrible. And they lost to Zach Wilson as Aaron Rodgers went out after the first four plays. And what I found amazing about this, I said it to one of my friends in the black hole, is that Aaron Rodgers' season ended on four plays. Four plays to the Buffalo Bills, right? And the Raiders' game ended after five plays on a drive where they scored and it was over. That's what blew me away. The, The Monday before the Bills, Aaron Rodgers is out of the game because of a blitz and he accidentally, it wasn't something that he failed to train with. He blew out his Achilles. That's a fluke. Raiders open up the game and go down the field and score. And then that's it. There's nothing after that. Literally nothing after that. A couple of individual plays. Again, as we broke down the game before two hours today, Eric Allen, as we prep for the uh, press conference live, if you take the Trey Tucker sweep, that was a big play. Devontae's touchdown, another Devontae catch. Okay, you look at those three plays, the five opening plays. So you get around to eight or nine plays. Then you get a Hunter's catch in garbage time. You get to another play or two. Maybe you get up to 11 or 12 plays. You only had 39. They only had 39 plays after spending a week in West Virginia. That's unacceptable, and the coach owned it. The coach owned it, and you can tell. I can tell. I don't know him very well, but I'm the only one who talks to him every week in town. He had a chip to him today, and Eric Allen looked at me like, whoa, that sounds like a coach who are going to put them in nine-on-seven drills and drop them in pads. This is not going to be a good week for this locker room. This is not going to be a good week for this locker room. They are going to get pushed, and they are going to get challenged the way they should from Mark Davis's team, the GM and the coach, to do a better job. The performance was unacceptable on any level. Everyone. And they got to play better, and I think they will. I do. I think being one and one, tied for first, the season just started. All I'm doing on other platforms are talking about 0-2 teams. The 0-2 Broncos. The 0-2 Chargers. Well, if the Broncos make a field goal, we're sitting here 0-2, everybody. Okay? If the Broncos don't miss an extra point in the field goal, we're sitting here 0-2 going into the home opener. I'm pretty pumped up that we're 1-1. I am. I think they're going to win this game, 
at home, and I didn't think they were going to win Buffalo. I said puncher's chance, wink, wink, was my best way to show respect for my job, this fan base, and everybody else. When you knew when the schedule came out that this would be a tough game, we were led to believe because Buffalo played poorly that we'd have an opportunity to compete in the game. And we did compete early, and then everything got shut down. Everything got shut down, and the team reverted back to one of their worst performances that I remember. I mean, they were terrible in a large block of that game. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. What else you want me to talk about? They couldn't stop the run. Buffalo ran it down their throat, and they couldn't stop the pass. Josh Allen was exceptional, but he's an exceptional player. He is. He's a great player. He's elite. He's not good. He's top five guy. So he was going to have a bounce-back game, but it's sad that it was at the expense of the Raiders. Raiders blew a golden opportunity to have a week on the road to bond and to come back and maybe be in the game late. That's all I wanted to see. All I wanted to see was the team to be in the game, late in the game to have a puncher's chance, and they didn't have that. So with all of that, very unfortunate here because – How would you like to be a player on this team that left their wives and kids for a week to go to West Virginia and had a FaceTime with their wife and kids and there was only 39 plays? You think they're happy? You think they're happy? I I would think they have a nasty edge to them this week. I think a lot of them got to be pissed off and they want to play another football game quickly here. And we see the Steelers play tonight, which is a good thing. Steelers are going to play tonight in a division game. You know, a lot of people, it's just something I wanted to tag here in the monologue brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Great night to go to PT's. They own Monday Night Football in Vegas, 64-plus taverns. You can go anywhere in town and watch two Monday night games tonight. But remember, Pittsburgh, uh, excuse me, Buffalo lost in embarrassing fashion to the Jets, and they came back and clobbered the Raiders. If Pittsburgh loses tonight to go to 0-2, I don't know. Then they're a wounded animal coming in here, and it's a must-win for them. Do you want them to win tonight? I don't know what you want. I don't know if you want the Steelers to win, the Browns to win. I know you want the Chargers to lose, Denver to lose, Kansas City, who won, uh, to lose. But with this game tonight, I'm going to watch it very closely and to see what the Raiders have to match up against T.J. Watt, Kenny Pickett, what they're going to be able to do. Mike Tomlin's a very good emotional coach. I picked the Seahawks to cover the spread in Detroit this week because I knew Pete Carroll would have the team ready. Knew it. And they ended up winning the game in overtime. But Pete Carroll emotionally, and if you go to my Twitter at JTTheBrick, I put out a tweet of the Seattle Seahawks locker room after the game. They're doing this thing where they wear a blue mask. And one of the most intense things I've seen, I retweeted. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? Look at the Seahawks locker room after the win in Detroit. And tell me what the Raiders need to do to get their locker room to look like that. Because they celebrated and had a great time after the Denver win. But you can see the intensity level of the Seahawks after that win there. They treated it like it was the second round, the divisional round of the playoffs, man. They were ready to go. So am I freaking out? No. Do I sound upset? I always do when I'm on the radio. You know me. But I'm very optimistic with the one-and-one start. Actually, I'm thrilled with the one-and-one start because it's not 0-2. And they have an opportunity to go to 2-1, and one, and then I could take you out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. I can go out on a limb with you and say the Raiders win at the Chargers. They could be 3-1, and one, and they'll fire the Chargers coach because they're going into their bye week after the Raider game. Brandon Staley will be fired if he goes 1-3 or 0-4. Oh People hate losing to the Raiders, and that'll happen. 
So we're going to be glasses half full for most of the week. Not today. Today isn't glasses half full. I can promise you that. Not today. Okay, we got something to talk about and why this team did not perform. That's the topic of the day for you. That's the call to action. Why didn't this team perform near their best and play a competitive football game? I don't know. I thought they were going to play a competitive football game. They did not. So I got all the highlights. I get the soundbite. Josh McDaniel spoke. We'll get everybody up today. Harry Ruiz will join us. My national interview at the top of the hour with Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus. He'll have grades and we'll go around the league. And that's where we're at. So sound off and get fired up and be a Raider fan. If you want to point fingers, more than happy to take your call. But then we'll move on to the Steelers here tomorrow or midweek. Chris in West Oakland coming off the loss in Buffalo. Start us off, Chris. Hey, JT. You know, first, and I'll definitely later in the week, I got some good stories about growing up with the Raiders Steeler rivalry. I'm looking forward to talking more about that. But as far as yesterday, look, after two games, the Raiders are kind of where I expect them to be. We know they can beat Denver. They beat them seven straight, even though it took a couple of breaks. They got it, you know, two games in a row on the road. They got it done. They came home one and one. The game yesterday, I'm. I'm really not that shocked. Yeah, I thought they'd be a little more competitive, but at the end of the day, we I don't believe the Raiders are bottom feeders. They're better than Denver. They're better than a lot of the 0-2 teams. I think they can be competitive this year. But yesterday, we played an elite team that's a legitimate Super Bowl contender. We're just not on that level yet. Starting the game was perfect. Went right down the field and scored. But one thing I've noticed after two weeks, JT, and I think going forward, and this is going to play into what's happened with the running game, Jimmy G's going to have to open up and take a few more shots downfield. Please, every even on the first drive, it was underneath passes, a couple, you know, maybe a couple of medium deeps. I think he's got to take a couple of shots early just to stretch the defense, or they're going to stack eight, nine guys against the line of scrimmage. Not only is that going to make it harder to complete the shorter passes, which is what got him on the second interception, but also that's going to hurt the running game because guys are going to be so close to the line of scrimmage. Again, they're still ironing out the kinks. It's only game two. I think they can do it, but I believe that's one of the things that's going to have to happen with this offense is it's going to have to get a little more explosive and at least take a few shots down the field. Now let's move over to the real reason that I thought, you know, I, I still worry about this team, the defensive side of the ball. I think it's pretty obvious that the only impact player on this defense is Max Crosby. We don't have an impact linebacker. We sure don't have an impact player in the secondary. I've listened all over social media. I've heard a lot of phone callers yesterday. Patrick Graham's going to catch a lot of shrapnel. But Patrick Graham's had two defenses to finish number one with the Jags and the Chargers. Six defenses in the top five. I don't believe he's gotten dumb overnight. I believe the way this defense is constructed, the Raiders have done it backwards. They're trying to find role players and value picks rather than studs. They could have had a guy like Roquan Smith last year for probably a third-round choice. Yeah, they'd have had to overpay, but they've got to get these studs where the average players around them are better. Defensively, I heard people say, oh, they were on the field, so they couldn't, they couldn't get off the field. They blame the offense. Um, for, for not being able to get first downs. Well, part of the reason the defense doesn't get off the field, JT, when the other quarterback goes 32 for 37, you're not getting yourself off the field. In two games, the opposing quarterback is 59 for 69 against the Raiders, almost an 80% completion percentage. Again, you can talk scheme all you want. Trayvon Merrick's played under three coordinators now. He's the same player. The back end of this defense just doesn't have any real playmakers. And I, what worries me is going forward, 
I don't know what they're going to do. Now, we're not going to play a Josh Allen every week, JT. I get that. You got Kenny Pickett. You got the Jets quarterback, a young Jordan Love. The Raiders do okay. They've got to make sure they beat those teams on the schedule and then find a way, if this team wants to compete for a wild card spot, take care of the Kenny Pickett's next week, which I fully expect them to do. But they've got to figure out something on defense. And one other thing, Tyree Wilson. Is it Cleveland Farrell all over again? Now, I'm not, I'm not in no way saying this kid's a bust. I'm not expecting him yet. But when you're the worst pass defense in football and you pass on a Jalen Carter for a Tyree Wilson, he has to step in and become an immediate impact player. The Raiders don't have the luxury of the number seven pick on the worst pass defense in football playing his way and developing where two or three years down the road. If the Raiders want to compete, Right now, going forward, and if this defense is going to get better, then Tyree Wilson is going to have to be a big part of it, and he's got to find his way on the field. But like I said, JT, I'm not sounding the alarms yet. It's right where I thought we were. We're not elite. We're not, we're not a drag of the league. We're somewhere in the middle. One and one. Take care of business next week. We're two and one. And then going forward, things will be okay. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I'm not sounding an alarm either, but I'm concerned that the Raiders can't stop the pass. Okay? That's it. I'm concerned that the scheme is struggling to stop the pass. They couldn't stop the run, and that's a problem. I don't think these defensive tackles have showed up yet. They haven't. They haven't showed up yet. I mean, you got a lot of guys that are around this team, Tillery, Bilal Nichols. They're players. They're guys. they got to play better than their stature, okay? They had an opportunity to come to the Raiders, a generous opportunity to come to the Raiders and start in the NFL at defensive tackle. And the Raiders have spent draft equity on the defensive tackle position, which I think is smart. I really do. And they got Tyree Wilson, very optimistic he's going to be a very good player in this league. But they have to figure out a rotation where the defensive tackles are rested because they're not good enough to leave these guys out on the field, none of them. Uh, they got to have a rotation where the defensive tackles are fresh, explosive, and they're going to help out their teams by making a play every once in a while. That has to happen because if the defensive tackles don't get a push up the middle against these quarterbacks that might get forced outside the pocket, follow me here, so they might run into Max. Chandler Jones, forget about him. Okay, and then you look at the situation now with a young stud, seventh pick overall. The only way Max and what we're going to see with Tyree is when a quarterback runs towards them because they're getting flushed out of the pocket is if the defensive tackles get a push. They haven't. Give me Nestor Jade. Switch it up because the guys who are out there are not getting it done. Now, they played well in the second half against Denver. They only gave up three points. But the Buffalo game was such a massive step backwards for this defense and offensive line. And those are two really important position groups, everybody. The offensive line is the only way Josh is going to get going. The offensive line's got to play great. And then the defensive line is the only chance for Marcus Peters to make a play or Epps or Merrig or what's going to happen there. If there's no push, those guys just can't guard long enough, man. We need more chaos on defense in a positive way. We need to assault the quarterback. As Al Davis said, the quarterback's got to go down in the first 15 plays. Someone's got to take out the quarterback professionally. Not injure him, but hurt him. Put him to the ground. Take him down. Sack him. Can we do this? It's going to have to happen. 
Russell Wilson was elite outside the pocket. He threw two touchdowns outside the pocket. Josh Allen's better than Russell Wilson. So I think they'll get hungry and play well against Kenny Pickett. I'm looking for a bounce-back game, no doubt about it. Mitch in Buffalo, New York, where the Raiders lost the game. Go ahead, Mitch. Thanks for calling. Hey, JT, thanks for having me. It's actually Murph. Oh, Murph. What's happening, Murph? Yeah, not a lot. I was at the game this weekend with my buddy. Uh, We're diehard Raiders fans up here in West New York. Uh, And we took his son. He's five years old, his first game. Um, he had a good time, even though the Raiders, you know, we didn't perform like they wanted to. But it's tough, you know. Bill's coming off that loss last week. Uh, my whole family's Bill's fans. I heard it all week, you know. Uh, it's how it goes. You know how the Bill's fans are up here in West New York. They're die, they're diehard as we are. And uh, I thought we had a fighter's chance, like you said. But uh, I'm wondering myself, well, why didn't they show up after that first series? It was just a dominating game by the Bills, and, and I kind of felt it. That that whole stadium was rocking, obviously, and, and the energy was obviously on their side. And I don't know, I just think that, that was uh, – we were set up for almost failure there, um, especially after a week one loss. But uh, with that being said, I'm optimistic with the, uh, with the one-on-one start. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully we can – win our home home opener and have that kind of, ener- kind of energy in, in Las Vegas. And I, I think we will. And, uh, you know, going forward, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it as a, a positive thing, you know, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm okay. worried a little bit about that secondary, you know? Yeah, I, I am too, Mark. Um, thanks for the call. And thanks for going to the game and thanks for calling in and thanks for supporting the Raider nation and bringing a five-year-old kid to experience that. The tailgates looked exceptional. I really missed the fact that I didn't go, Uh, They went to West Virginia, so that kind of put me out. I couldn't take a week off of work with everything I'm doing here, so I couldn't do it, but I miss Buffalo. I went to college at Geneseo in upstate New York. A lot of my friends went to the game, but I would have been really disappointed flying back with a loss like that. I would have been really upset with a loss like that. I take these losses seriously. I really do. This is my livelihood. I want this team to win. I want them to win every game. I want the fans to be happy. I want the fans to enjoy their life, and so does the coach, the GM, Max, all the players. They want to win. There's no doubt when you walk into this building, you're told to win. It's everywhere around this building, and they're trying to bring in players who understand that. And I think they're bringing in some unique players, different players, to try to find a way to build a team that could be sustainable Long term. But the players who were brought in here to make a difference, they got to make a difference. The stars have to be stars. The average players have to play above average. And then anybody else who gets exposed and can't play, they got to move out from them. And they got to bring in other players to do it. I don't care if you bring them up from the practice squad. There needs to be a sense of urgency this week. I believe that Josh McDaniels, I can tell you for a fact by watching that press conference and going on right after it on Fox 5, he's got a chip to him. This is not what he wants. He had a good win week one, very optimistic, happy to be on all these platforms and TV. And now after a week of being gone here and that press conference that he had, I love, I love the look he gave. The look he gave was, I am going to put you guys through what you don't expect this week. He's going to have them ready because it's never a camp around here. It's never a day off. But I think it's going to be ratcheted up because the coach and the coaches have an opportunity to get into these players this week and say, you got to be kidding me. We didn't coach correctly. You didn't play good enough. It's unacceptable. And we got a chance 
It's the biggest stage in the world. It's Sunday Night Football. It's the biggest stage in the world. The monologue brought to you by Modelo. Uh, they'll be with me on Friday at Top Golf as we get ready for our remote noon to two at Top Golf. The Fighting Spirit will have great giveaways, really cool stuff that they're going to bring out there. There'll be some black hole members. So we're going to have a good time. Whenever I do something with Modelo, it's next level. Come on out Friday, noon to two, to Top Golf. Come sit down with us and have a good time. It's a great venue. A lot of traffic around there because F1. Oh, the F1 traffic. Thank God they're not running F1 up in Summerlin on Town Center or on Charleston up there. You can have that down at the Strip, but that's going to be exciting too. Harry Ruiz will join us and Sam Munson later in the show as we open it up on a Monday. This is the Aftermath. He sends Cook in motion through the middle, and finally they get to him to find Diablo on a linebacker blitz right through the middle. And as soon as Josh Allen had it in his belly, he had the linebacker on top of him. Jason Horowitz on the call. JT back with you. I like the way Diablo has shown up this year, first two games. It's not perfect. It's not perfect when you have to guard two good tight ends out of Buffalo and you got Kelsey on the schedule twice. It's not going to be perfect with Divine Diablo. And it's sure not going to be perfect with Jacorian Bennett. I can tell you that if, if you watch him. He's a rookie. So I, I like what the Raiders have done with Jacorian Bennett, number zero. They threw him out there. You're going to play. We're not taking you out. You give up a bad play. You're going to stay in the game. Uh, Marcus Peters did not have much of a game. That's unfortunate. I thought he would have been an X factor more in that game. Robert Spillane, makes, he flashes a play or two. The problem I have is with the defensive tackles. It's not a lack of effort. It's just that they're not elite players, and when they get dominated or pushed around or they don't play at a high level, then everything behind them cannot feast, cannot play well, cannot do to the best of their ability. I mean, Eric Allen is really concerned the fact that we don't have this turnover thing going yet again. Let's get some turnovers going. Let's get some turnovers. It's important. God knows they're preaching it. I was in the production meetings with the coach and the defensive coordinator and the GM in the offseason. That's all they're talking about is faster, more explosive, smarter players to turn the ball over. And they're trying to get them. They're trying to get them in here, and they're getting rid of other guys and bringing guys in who can turn over the football. Now they have to do it. You know, we can talk about it all day, but are they going to be able to do it? And we'll go from there. So that's the issue that I have now is that can this team, after a bad, bad loss, have an opportunity to put on a show and play a good game? Everybody, I don't want to look at stats week one and two. The stats in Buffalo sucked. They're terrible. You want to average in Josh Jacobs' stats and the Buffalo game? You don't want to look at it. It's ugly. So after week three or four, now we see a pattern with the stats. We better get the running game going by week three and week four. And they know... That's an interesting point that Chris said earlier as he kicked off the show. He made a very interesting point. If Jimmy G doesn't open it up by throwing and opening up this passing game, they're just going to sit in the box and try to slow down Josh Jacobs, which I'm fine with because I believe in this passing game. When Jimmy G moves his feet and shuffles in the pocket and makes a throw, it's beautiful, man. It looks great. The touch is perfect. He can throw, he can zip it. He can do whatever he needs to do. 
the ball comes out really nice when he has time. If he doesn't have time and he's scrambling and he's checking down, checking down to Josh Jacobs in the passing game is not a problem for me. But here's the problem. Where the hell's Hunter Renfro? And where's Michael Mayer? I mean, he's checking down, which is okay. He threw a bad interception on a deflection. But if Devontae's double team did not open, and I think he's thrown some nice balls to Devontae already. It's a shame that Devontae got dinged on that last pass, which was probably unnecessary considering where the game was and out of reach. But Devontae likes numbers and stats, and they want to attack with Devontae. Devontae's not here to take off the final three minutes of the game, everybody. If you want to protect him and get him out of the game, I understand that. It's a great debatable topic. But Devontae doesn't want that. Devontae wants to he, – he's competing for the Hall of Fame. This team's not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Devontae is competing for a gold jacket. He wants the ball in a blowout with four minutes to go. He wants it. He wants catches. He wants volume. And that's okay. But he doesn't put himself before the team. So you think he says to raise his hand, take me out of the game, please? Well, maybe you need to do that and get him out of the game so he couldn't get concussed. Not that he did. He'll be fine from what the coach said. But at the end of the game, the Raiders, they weren't going through the motions. They were trying. There's never a lack of effort with this team. The problem with this team is execution. That's the problem with this team. I've said this not a thousand times, but I feel like I'm going to get there. I've said this a hundred times. Run the plays that you run in Henderson. I'm in the building today. When they practice, they run these plays. I'm not at most of the practices, but they run them. If they don't work, you know what they do? They run it again. And then they get the plays down, and they look at film, and they grade the film, and then they do it again and again. They run the play. They run the play. Run those plays in the games. Run them. And, and hopefully the practice makes perfect or better than that, and the Raiders can go execute. It's the execution that's the problem. I told you all last week that if the game got out of control, the Raiders would have to embrace the shootout. The game got out of control because at the end of the first quarter, when it was 14-10, to 10, the Raiders' defense couldn't stop anybody, and the Raider offense was going out, three and out, and Buffalo just kept chipping away. They scored. They went into halftime. They got the ball in the third quarter. Game, set, and match. Got to be real careful with Buffalo and Kansas City, everybody. Got to be real careful. Game gets out of control quickly when you play those teams if you don't execute. Nixon San Jose on the Raider flagship. Go ahead. Hey, brother. I want to I want to start positive and try and be measured because I can mm-hmm. be fired up like you. Positive, it's so much better being 1-1 one and one than 0-2, oh and, and we yep. could have lost in a mile high. And I'm thankful for you, your passion, and you talking about they need to execute and calling them out today. Now I'm going to make a few comments chronologically. I'll try and be quick, and then I have mm-hmm. a question for you that yep. I know you'll answer. You talked about execution. I'm 48 years old. I was 9 years old when we beat one of the best teams ever in that Theismann-led uh, mm-hmm. skins. And the execution of Marcus Allen. He was a winner. We ran him out of town. Fast forward, execution. Uh, Art Shell was a winner. We go to Mike White when we move back to the East Bay. Mistake. Even Al Day just says that. Uh, Tom Cable, we're 8-8, eight and eight, beating uh, uh, Kansas City, a playoff team. Doesn't rehire him. Shane Leckler, shocked by that. Basaccia, a leader of men. We let him go. Okay? You know, you, you, I, I want to call you out a little. I feel like you're an apologist for Josh McDaniels. And here's my question that I hope you'll answer, okay? Mm-hmm. You take out Tom Brady, Belichick is like a 40% winner, did nothing in Cleveland, okay? He's doing nothing now in year four. 
Okay, McDaniel's was an embarrassment when he was two years. Let me stop you. Let me stop you. Hold on. I'll let you finish. We are not taking Brady away. We are not taking Roger Staubach away from Landry. We are not taking Joe Montana away from Bill Walsh. That is a ridiculous conversation. It's Brady and Belichick. They were elite. They're Hall of Famers. I'm not penalizing them for having Tom Brady. I'm not penalizing George Seifert for having Joe Montana or Steve Young. And I'm not penalizing Mike Shanahan for winning two Super Bowls with John Elway when he didn't win anything before. Coaches coach, players play. Continue. My, my point is, JT, McDaniels is supposed to be this offensive guru, and you talk about Ziegler adding depth. Yesterday was the time to show depth. Um, Jacoby Myers is out, and we can't get any other receivers uh, going. Hunter Renfro had 103 catches less than two years ago. He has one catch in garbage time. Okay, we talk about doubling Crosby, and we got no one else that has single coverage all game getting to the quarterback. So here's my question to you, JT. Do you really believe McDaniels is a leader of men? And tell me how he's shown that. Because I, I live in the East Bay. Mm-hmm. I know what it looks like to have a winner in ownership mm-hmm. in Lakeup, a winner coach in Kerr, and a culture with Currys of yeah. the world. Okay? Uh- the last point is, since Ron Wolf has been gone in the early 80s, we have made so many mistakes, and I'm just, I'm just tired of it, man. I know you are. I can I'm tell you're tired. tired of it. I appreciate so, your call. I'll answer the question. In the building with this team and the culture, McDaniels is great. He is. He is great with this. He hasn't prepared. They want to play for him. I've seen him around the players and all that. That has never changed. And the same with Dave Ziegler. When you look at what they're trying to do here, what they're trying to do here is get the team to a level which your phone call personifies perfectly. They're trying to change it and make it different the way that it's been for 20 years. That's why Mark Davis made the switch. He wanted a team, a GM, and a coach with a really big success track record. Okay, and Josh McDaniels didn't coach those games in New England. It was Bill Belichick, but he called all the plays. And he coached in so many more games than other coordinators and other head coaches who were fired and didn't have an opportunity to coach because Josh McDaniels was always coaching in January and February. And that's the plan. Now, so this is not a locker room torn apart. This is not a lot. I just talked to Max downstairs. I'm telling you, I'm sharing stories that I have with you. That's not the issue. And what they're trying to do is deconstruct the roster and make it better. And they're going to be evaluated for the quality of players that they bring in and how many games they win. That's it. If they don't win enough games, we know what's going to happen. If the players that they draft don't play well and are out of the team or out of the league, we know what happens in the sports. It's a business, like my business. You don't get ratings. You don't have clients. You don't have all these partners. You don't deliver. You're not around. So they're trying. They're working their ass off. It's just the frustration level when you lose a game like this is real because you know how much work that they put in. You know how much work they put in to make this good. And I really believe that Coach McDaniels had an idea and a plan that he ran by Mark Davis to get this team out of here after the Denver game and get him on the right body clock. In West Virginia, do it right. It's a five-star resort. The players are treated great. They're working their ass off. They're bonding. They're focused. And it didn't work. That's what, that's what frustrates me. It doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, then you got to explain yourself. And Josh McDaniels is good at that. When he has to, when he has to, when he's lost games here, and when he does, he goes right to the microphone two or three times a week and tells you what's wrong. And if the fans don't like that, too bad. 
That's his job. Part of his job is to deal with the media. He gets me on Thursday. He gets the press downstairs two days a week, and he tries to tell you what's going on. He can't talk about Chandler Jones. If you haven't figured out that out by now, I don't think you own a phone or social media. If you haven't figured that one out, okay? If you haven't figured that one out, that's something that he's dealing with now with the roster spot. And he's trying to get players healthy. Jacoby Myers was the best player. The best player week one was Jacoby Myers. He didn't play game two. And now he's got to pivot and get the team ready for game three. I think this is a very important game, not a make or break game for any player or coach. This is a game that I'm really looking forward to because of the hype. I like Sunday night. I like hype. I like all that stuff. I like big concerts. I like you 2 doing a pop-up show downtown. I like big things in life, right? I like big things. This is a big game. I'm going to spend most of the week here talking about the rivalry. Fred Bolitnikoff's coming on Wednesday. You think I got my A game? As we open up this season and what we've been doing, and as we're trying to get you ready for this season and who we've put on on Wednesdays, I broke the glass and I'm bringing in Fred Bolitnikoff on Wednesday. I'm working an event with him coming up here on Saturday night. I hope you come. That's a big deal. 5 to 8 p.m. at the Palms Ghost Bar. Big deal. We're going to have Fred Bolitnikoff there. Get around the karma. Remember week one, I got around the karma. I went to the Santana concert as Ed Sheeran canceled. Then the Santana dust, the dust from the stage fell on me and the Raiders won. Well, Saturday night, I'm going to be with Freddie B. There's going to be a lot of Steelers karma around. And hopefully that comes off Freddie B and we go win that game. But do I think that Josh McDaniels has got the team ready? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm sorry I can't come on here every day and give you awful news about Josh McDaniels. There is a group of people that would love that. They would want me to make stuff up, say he sucks, say he's a bad guy, he's not a great dad or husband. Not going to happen. People who treat me well with respect, I treat them equal, if not better. And he's been nothing but open to me, and he needs to win more games. And he knows that. He's, he's got six Super Bowl rings in his safe. You think he knows more about winning than JT the Brick? He knows a lot more about winning. Now you got to get the players up to speed and go win some games. And it's hard to do in this league. And for Buffalo, you know, a lot of people didn't think they had a chance against Buffalo. But it was a game that they should have shown up better and they didn't do that. Richard in Arizona is up next. Hello, Richard. What's happening? Richard is not there in Arizona. Let's try DOC in Orange County if he's there. Go ahead. Thanks for calling. Hi, JT. Dennis in Orange County. Thank you. Show. Thank Listen you. Every day. Appreciate you. Uh, let me just bring it back uh, maybe last month or two months mm-hmm. when the schedule came out. Yeah, horrible. We just got Buffalo at their home game. Very difficult place. Everyone knows that. Schedule makers know that too. So I just don't understand how some teams, you know, like the Raiders, don't get a home opener until next this Sunday. Miami's another one. Green Bay's another one. Niners are another mm-hmm. one. A lot of teams. It's like, how do you not? How do Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. We had a big Ed Sheeran concert that didn't go off. That was one of the things I heard. The schedule makers. Look, you've been a Raider fan for how many years, my friend? How many years? Uh, old as the Super Bowl, 58. Right. Okay, so say, that's, that's what happens. The Raiders don't really get a lot yeah. of benefits of the doubt with the schedule. You've no. got to play all the games. There's a couple of games here on yep. the schedule that I think the Raiders can pick off. But 
it's going to be hard to win around here. It's going to be hard to win around here, and they're trying to get better players to win around here. That's all I can tell you. But, yeah, the schedule did not do the Raiders any favors, but they're 1-1, one and, one, and I know you understand that if they win this game, and they should win it, uh, as Pittsburgh's on a short week, they're 2-1 and one heading into L.A., which is a home game against the Chargers. Which is good. You're right. You're absolutely right. At the same time, if we got Buffalo at a different day, I think we could have taken them too. So, but – Go Raiders, you know, listen to yeah. the show, love it. Thank you. And I appreciate you saying go Raiders and wanting to, you know, wanting to have an impact as a Raider fan and all that. We all want to win here. And again, I don't want to do a lot of Mondays like this. And as, the longer I've been doing this, not just with the Raiders in radio, uh, I really celebrate the victories hard. I love winning. So I'm going to have a great show all the time, no matter what. And when they lose, when I don't have to lose my mind and be sky is falling, I'm not going to do it. And we don't have to do it here. But it was a really bad performance, and that's disappointing to me. And concerning that they played that poorly and only had 39 plays and had it for 19 minutes and 56 seconds. That's hard to do. And they went up against an elite team, and the elite team showed them how far the Raiders need to go to be at a level of Buffalo. That's a reality check. As we're brought to you by Resorts World, Monday Night Football, Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World. You'll love the venue. Garoppolo passing on first and ten. Downfield for Renfro. His first catch of the season as he's flipped over at the Bills. 39 is a big one. He takes it into Buffalo territory on a long completion of 22 yards. Let's get the ball back to Hunter Renfro. I think that's the right thing to do. Raiders with a big opportunity Sunday. Got to have a strong performance. No excuses, period. You all know it. I just said it. Show up, play big, play better as we recap the loss in Buffalo. 702-365-9200. Richard in Arizona. Appreciate you being patient. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, JT. Appreciate you taking my call, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, so I know top of the hour you got pro football focus. That's more important than, than me. No offense, JT, than you. I like hearing that type of stuff. But, um, you know, I know a couple callers back, he was talking about um, – uh, Josh McDaniels. I, I, I started thinking about it only because um, what you said earlier and like what happened and, and why didn't they show up. Then I started watching the Sunday night game and then I, I noticed a guy like Mike McDaniel. And Mike McDaniel is, he's in tune with his guys. Not saying Josh isn't, but he seems to, he seems to have this, this kind of, um, this kind of take on his guys that I, I was impressed with. And you listen to his press conferences. You listen to his halftime when he's talking. And that's something that I, I feel like Josh McDaniels is a genius, but he's missing those social skills. If that makes sense. He reminds yeah, me of I, Look, I, Mike McDaniel, uh, Josh McDaniel, Mike McDaniel acts. People love his goofiness and how aloof yeah. he is and all that. You're not going to get that from Josh McDaniels. He's a grinder. He's one of those guys who wants to be football first. He'll do the media, but his thing is getting back and breaking down film and working with the quarterbacks. I get what you're saying, man. You got Mike Tomlin's the greatest I've ever seen in my life in front of a microphone. Others, Josh McDaniels is doing his job. He's trying to coach the team to win. But to, to try to kind of look around and say, well, he should do this better or that better, it's hard. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in your situation. I'm in a different one, but I appreciate your phone call, and I, I hope he's looser. Thanks for the call and wins more games. When he won Denver, he's real happy. He sits down with me, big smile. He wants to win. He's used to winning. He is. 
Everybody wants to wipe out what Josh McDaniels did in New England and throughout his career and act like it didn't happen or discount it because he was a coordinator more so than a head coach. Yeah, he hasn't done it as a head coach. We're not saying he has, but he needs to win as a head coach, and I think he's going to do it, and I hope he does it Sunday night because they have to win that game. Remy Martin, join us for the kickoff Sunday night football. We talk about teaming up for excellence. Proud partner of the show, Remy Martin. We appreciate their support.